0: Hi, everybody, Eric from Hit Subscribe here with another one of these freelancer q and a videos and I think I've got my lights set up properly, so yeah, life is good um The topic of the day today is what do you do when a freelance client won't pay if they're late or just refuse to pay and I actually think this is a pretty simple one to answer. um You need to be prepared to break some thumbs i mean that's that's just basic finance uh but in all seriousness, um, what this is a, a situation that comes up a fair bit. Um, it's a question that other than starting a series, I've heard before back when we were on the uh, the Business of Freelancing show and the Freelancers show before that, so um, a lot of people wonder about this. Uh, it's a good one to tackle, and it's a good one to be aware of even if you're just starting out, like you haven't um, been freelancing for very long, like it's good to have a, a plan of action for what you should do here. So. I'm going to take a sip of this Dr. Pepper and then we can dive into that here today. So, um, whoa, I'm a mess. Uh, When um, that invoice that you've sent first goes late, um, a lot of freelancers by default will invoice what's called net 30, meaning you send an invoice today, which is June 17th, 30 days from now, which would be what, like July, 18th, whatever that is, um, that's when the invoice is due. You have specified this on your invoice, this invoice has to be paid by such and such date, and then 30 days roll by on your net 30 invoice and you have not received payment. So on that first day, um, honestly, what's typical and what people will do very often is not really do anything on the first few days and just kind of hope the invoice gets paid. Um, And typically it will actually, at least in the industries I've traveled in, in my experience, non-payment of invoices is pretty rare. But um, I wouldn't actually advise just kind of letting that date go. I would at least note it and have a plan of attack. Now, the first thing I would do if I were you is don't be adversarial in the slightest, assume good faith. And um, I would follow up in, in this way. If you are engaged with somebody at the client, let's say Steve, and Steve is the director of engineering and he's brought you in to do quality assurance services. Um, The first thing you wanna do is act like a human being and ask Steve what's happening. And um, I would reach out to him in the following fashion. This is gonna be a theme throughout the video. One of the things I love to say is create a system and then blame that system. And here's what I mean you are going to reach out to steve and say hey steve um, i got a notification from my bookkeeping software's accounts receivable module that uh we haven't re- or i haven't received payment for the invoice um as it's a mere reminder and so I'm, I'm just inquiring Do you know what's going on with the invoice now the reason i like that approach instead of just saying uh, my invoice was due in 30 days where is it that makes you seem kind of like neurotic and cheap or desperate for money, that you've just been like there with a stopwatch and as soon as the 30 days hit, you are off with an email to Steve. Instead, you're kind of blaming your um, bookkeeping software and saying like, "Eh, I wasn't really paying attention, but this thing notified me. And oh yeah, by the way, what's up with my invoice? Now this approach will typically get you a satisfying result, if not a very quick payment, the overwhelming majority of the time. And here is why that's the case. Most invoice non-payment or invoice lateness is actually good faith. There's just something that is off either in terms of expectations or some kind of very simple like clerical mistake. So here is how invoices usually fail to get paid in your 30-day window if that's what you're charging. Um, one way that that might happen is if the company that you're dealing with runs their what's called accounts payable meaning um, they they pay all of their vendors, all of their subcontractors, contractors, et cetera. Um, They pay all of them on a certain date. Now, like for hit subscribe, for instance, we typically do that, uh, I forget what the day of the week is, but it's like (laughs) sometime during the second week of every month, uh, we pay all of our uh, subcontractors, contractors, vendors. And if you were to say, um, send hit subscribe an invoice for services on the 15th of the month, and say this invoice is due in five days, you wouldn't get payment because that's not when we pay our invoices. So that's a common one. Now, if it's net 30, that period should always um, correspond, like there should always be one of those periods um, to get your invoice paid on time. But it could be that there are companies that pay their invoices like bi-monthly or on, on some other schedule. So that's one way that it happens is you're just outside of their normal cycle of payment, or maybe you didn't send the invoice in in time or something. Or um, that leads me to the second thing that can happen, which is you could simply have um, clerical errors. Now, if you're dealing with a really small business, or like you as a freelancer, if a subcontractor sent you an invoice, what you'd probably do is like pay that immediately so that you didn't lose track of it. Once a business hits a certain size, they do have um, controls in place and processes in place. Now, uh, one of those is the one that I mentioned, like we do accounts payable on a certain day. But um, as you get even bigger, which a lot of your customers might, um, Steve, the director of engineering, it's not like he has a bank account and he's going to write you a check. What's actually going to happen is Steve is going to go and get some kind of approval or he's going to have a budget within which he can operate and what he'll do is receive your invoice and send it over to the accounting department to accounts payable with a note or something that says approved. Now, Steve might have to fill out a form or get certain other kinds of approvals. Different companies um, have what are called different, or have what are called controls in place, different ways of making sure Steve's not laundering money out of the company. So, there are approval process, there are checks that um, invoices have to go through. Do they exceed a certain budget? Um, is a certain form filled out, etc. Now, my point here is there's a lot that can go wrong when you have that kind of like institutional bureaucracy. Steve might have received your invoice and just forgotten about it. And so it might be that the accounting department doesn't even know about it. It could be that Steve sent it over to the accounting department, but he filled out their form wrong. And the accounting department didn't bother to tell Steve that he had filled it out wrong and you don't get paid. Um, It could be that Steve sent it over, did everything right, but somebody in accounting messed up. And the list goes on. So there's a lot that can happen. And that's why simply emailing Steve is a good way to get things cleared up. Steve may go and say, hey, I sent this in with approval, what's going on? And then the person in the accounting department says, oops, sorry about that. We'll get it paid, or we'll pay it in the next accounts payable cycle. And then Steve comes back to you and says, hey, I'm really sorry about this, but we will pay you both invoices next month or whatever. I want to be clear that like that sort of thing resolves invoice issues the overwhelming majority of the time. It is usually something clerical. I've had uh, invoices paid something like 90 days late where it was still stuff like that. Like the company was just that inefficient, but this was an international company that wasn't struggling for money. They weren't going to not pay their debt. Um, so it can uh, take a while. And as a freelancer, just as an aside, this uh, sending invoices to companies and being a vendor is not like being a salaried employee where all hell is going to break loose if like payroll doesn't run and people aren't getting paid. There isn't that expectation. You don't have that close of a relationship. So if you're used to getting a direct deposit in your account every two weeks, being a freelancer is different. Payment won't be that timely. Nobody cares that you have cash flow problems. So understand that and expect when you start freelancing, you legitimately might not get paid for like 90 days. That is just kind of the hazards of being a freelancer, have that runway. So moving on, what happens if you have that conversation with Steve, maybe even one or two such conversations, and you get, you know, a little bit of runaround, or, oh, yeah, we'll totally have it later, or whatever, um, there is another thing you can do. The next thing I would recommend is if you're doing standing work for them, like you're sending an invoice every month, doing $3,000 a month worth of services, so you've sent that first invoice, and um, 30 days have gone by where that one hasn't been paid. You've sent a second invoice, and if you're doing invoicing correctly, that second invoice should say $3,000 for services in July, balance forward of another $3,000 for June, you owe me $6,000. Now, it's uh, August, and you haven't gotten paid for any of this, and you're starting to get a little twitchy, understandably. Uh, None of this payment has come in. The next thing I would do is, on your next invoice, or maybe even on that first one, right when it hits 30 days late, You could just have a policy that anytime you're doing a balance forward, you charge $3,000 for June, $3,000 for July, and a 5% late fee of $150 for the June uh, invoice that wasn't paid. Now, what's interesting about this is, depending on the controls processes in place, Steve has gone out and gotten some kind of approval for $3,000 a month in services. He hasn't gotten approval for $3,150. The uh, bookkeeping is now off. You are claiming they owe you more than they think they owe you and that can trigger stuff to happen in their accounts payable department. Um, this is another instance of create a system and blame it on the system. So what this is likely to do is to get somebody on the phone with you saying, what's this late fee? And you can back off of it and say, oh, my apologies, my um, bookkeeping software automatically taxed on a 5% late fee. Um, I didn't mean for that to go out. So you can make this a pretty gentle thing but you can still trigger those systems and it starts to create the psychology of uh, within the company of um, you're late on your payments like you know it's like when your cable company tax on a late fee you feel like a deadbeat uh, Steve doesn't like to feel like he works for a deadbeat that doesn't pay their bills, so this can actually be fairly effective. And I mean, if they pay the late fee, hey, great, uh, you make some extra money. Usually, that's not what will happen. It'll just trigger a conversation, and you say, "Oh, yeah, sorry, don't worry about that." But you know, can I have my money? Um, after that, like if you have done that, so you you've asked Steve politely a few times, you've tacked on a late fee, and you keep getting the runaround, or you keep getting um, not getting paid. I would now start to get persistent like once a week or a few times a week or something ask Steve about it and say um, I don't know if I would get into saying like hey I'm personally running low on cash or something but you could start to say this is impacting you know my business's cash flow situation like I can't have this um, what do we need to get done and if Steve is like well you know I don't know what to tell you. I sent it over to accounting. Ask for accounting's phone number. Who did you send it to? What's their extension? Can I give them a call? Can I follow up? So you want to start to get kind of annoying. And you want to try to annoy them into paying you. Um, I would be polite. Uh, I wouldn't start threatening or anything like that. But make it clear that you're just going to keep following up until you get resolution. Um, Hopefully, that will get things resolved. In my personal experience, It has always, um, like I've never gone beyond this step. By this point, I've always gotten paid. Um, So I have an understanding because I've, you know, researched contingencies of what would happen and I've been in business for myself for a long time and I know other people's stories. So I know what I would do after this. But for me personally, it's never gone beyond these three steps. Payment generally happens. So if you're an aspiring freelancer, I wouldn't worry too much that like you're going to get completely stiffed. It's, it's pretty rare. So if you still can't get paid, three months have gone by, you've run out of your runway of cash and the situation is getting bad. Um, One thing I would have borne in mind up to this point, maybe when you started to have to get persistent is what is the nature of your service delivery and how much are they depending on you to continue delivering services? Because this is leverage. So if you are building out something that's important to them, and that something isn't finished. At this point, you can start to say something like, listen, um, I hate to do this, but I have to prioritize clients who are timely about payment because of my own cash flow situation. So if I don't get paid by such and such date, I'm going to start prioritizing my other clients. Do you have any other clients? If the answer is no, it doesn't matter, they don't know that. Just frame it that way. You have other opportunities, other things you can be doing. You're gonna have to put the brakes on until they can get current. I would also start to increasingly phrase things in terms that couch them as a deadbeat. I have to make time for customers that have the liquidity and cash flow to be able to pay their bills. Um, I can't really be engaged with companies that are struggling the way yours seems to be. I would start to be still polite, but start to very unambiguously um, uh, position this company as a deadbeat. You suspect that they're insolvent. You suspect that they can't pay their bills. That gets to people. People don't want to work for a company that's incapable of paying their bills or about to go. I mean, even if they know they're not about to go under that perception, it rankles. You don't want to work for a deadbeat or be associated with a deadbeat. So um, start to threaten to withhold services and start to couch the company as a two-bit operation that can't get its uh, you-know-what together. If that doesn't work, and the relationship because this is going to start to hurt the relationship but at this point you know maybe you're four months in and you need the money you start to not care and do you really want to work with a partner that stiffs you for a quarter of the year third of the year Uh, probably not so you might want to wind down this high-risk relationship anyway Um, and once you get to this point there is a bridge you can cross um, where there is a service that you can engage called factoring and this is kind of like collections except a factoring service I believe we will run a credit check on your, um, uh, on your client to make sure that they're actually solvent and not about to go under and, and be a waste. And it, assuming that credit check is good, um, I think factoring services will essentially buy out the invoice for maybe 80% of what's owed. So if by now this company's run up a debt of $12,000, the factoring service will give you, say, $10,000 in cash you get paid and they'll keep the other 2000 and then they'll go after uh, your client with their resources. So they'll assume your debt. Um, Your next or other option would be a collections agency Um, and I don't think they'll run credit. They'll be more of a harasser um, and they'll also take a larger cut. So collections um, is maybe where you turn if the factoring agency won't take it on and collections, I don't know what you get there, maybe it's like 20, 20 cents on the dollar, but they'll do the same thing. They'll buy up the invoice and then they'll go after the company for the full balance. Uh, if none of that works or you don't want to pursue that route, you could go the legal route. Um, typically as a freelancer, I wouldn't ever bank on this. Like You, you might think like, oh, well, I'll, I'll sue for this $12,000 um, if I don't get paid. By the time you take that business to court, who by the way, almost certainly has way more resources than you, they'll just bleed you out. i mean you'll you'll quickly owe more in attorney's fees than you would collect. So if you're gonna enlist an attorney, you would want to look for one that operates on contingency, meaning you would go to them and say, "This business owes me twelve thousand dollars. Um can you go after them and you know take a cut of what you get from them or something?" I don't know if attorneys will operate this way because it's kind of like a collection agency. But if not, like you don't want, and, and probably in good faith an attorney would say, no, I'm not going to help you sue this company because my fees would be more than you're owed. Um, but suing and going to court in that way probably doesn't work. What might work is you could try to take the company to small claims court and I guess represent yourself. Uh, I think that's a decent um, source of redress. I've never done this myself, but it's at least something to look into, and that's probably really the end of your potential options. There is a pretty good chance that you will just never get this money if they haven't um, uh, paid you up to this point. Either they're going bankrupt and then there is no money to be had, or um, they're stiffing you for some other reason, maybe claiming insufficient services or whatever and they're going to have a lot more resources than you if you're going to go to war with them so i'm not saying it's hopeless or anything and i'm not saying don't call the factoring collections or small claims or or whatever you're going to pursue but prepare that it might be a total loss if you find yourself in this situation so um i kind of want to wrap here by saying there is uh, there are other ways um of avoiding a non-payment kind of situation which i would say are better especially if you're new and you're just getting started you want to inoculate against this kind of thing in the first place so let's talk you know to wrap up prevention how do you prevent yourself from getting into this situation um a popular thing that people might say is contracts i've talked about this before for the youtube video um i actually don't think that's going to help you too much it might help if you wind up in small claims court um, but that's about it you're not going to have the legal resources to sue this company so your contract kind of doesn't matter that is sort of the last thing i would do as a way of preventing non-payment frankly so here are some things that i would do first of all vet your clients Um, if you're going to work for somebody that's got a startup going in their pre-seed round like they haven't raised any capital they just have an idea and a home office and they meet you in Starbucks and they're totally going to pay you when it pays off, eh, you, you want to vet your clients. Um, you're not exactly running a credit check per se, but is the person you're talking to, do you have reason to believe they can pay you tens of thousands of dollars? Are they an established business? You could go and look them up uh, at the Better Business Bureau. You can vet them in certain ways. I won't get into it in too much detail here, but make sure that you're dealing with an actual company that's actually established and not some kind of scammer multi-level marketing thing or whatever, Like, um, look to make sure this is a bona fide business before doing uh, work for them, especially if you're doing the traditional freelance thing and invoicing in arrears. Speaking of invoicing in arrears, don't invoice in arrears. Um, See if you can negotiate uh, upfront payment for your services. This sounds daunting to a lot of freelancers. I hear this all the time, Um, but you would be surprised how well it works if you just ask for it. It's a lot easier if you flat price your work, if you're billing time and materials, the customer will justifiably say, um, how can I possibly uh, pay when we don't even know what the total will be? You know, no, see how many hours you work this month or whatever. There are ways that you can guard against that. You can say, um, even if you are billing hourly, that you're going to do 30 hours a week, and you're going to be doing that for you know some number of months. So you invoice them up front for 120 hours for the month. You could invoice up front and do the work, and then you're only 30 days in when that first late payment hits. So you're kind of front-loading, it's a little bit better for cash flow. You could also just say, I'm not going to start until you know the money hits my account. That's a great way to guard against non-payment. If a customer pushes back against that or if you're too worried about negotiating that, another thing you could do that's a good middle ground is to state that... um, you bill time and materials in arrears but you ask for a five thousand dollar deposit now if somebody is willing to pay your deposit it's a pretty good bet like you've run a nice experiment there they have money they're going to pay so the deposit puts a little skin in the game um it chases off the charlatans like a charlatan is never going to pay you a deposit so i actually think that's a pretty good thing to insist on especially if you're kind of cash poor in your business or you you really you know can't afford to float a customer for three, six months, then better to have somebody refuse your deposit and then find another customer a week later or whatever that will pay it than it is to take that business on faith and go without pay for three months. And trust me when I say this, if you're just confident in how you work, you say, yep, I do this, it's time and materials, I bill an arrear, I require a $5,000 deposit upfront. If you're confident about it, people don't blink at that. For what it's worth, Hit subscribe does all that's charging up front for everything that we do. That has not been hard to negotiate. Back when I was freelancing um, in my static analysis uh, management consulting practice, I generally required some form of payment up front. I would flat per project price things and do 50% up front and 50% after or 100% up front. It is doable. Um, you just have to have the confidence as you're putting it out there. So definitely try to do that. Uh, The last thing I'll say uh, preventative-wise is you can always, even if they want to pay an arrear, say, well, okay, what I'm going to do then is let's do a paid discovery engagement or some other kind of small engagement. So instead of just agreeing to go to their office and start doing stuff, uh, time and materials, conceive of some small thing that you want to do first as kind of almost a pre-engagement. Say like, okay, well, you know, I will build out your quality assurance team for you. Uh, But first, I'm going to come in, do a series of interviews with the principals, and put together a prospective job description, and that's going to be a $3,000 engagement. Um, Then, if they agree to that, and they insist on paying in arrears, you go and you do this week's worth of work, or whatever it is, hit stop, so they're not running any more of a tab on you, and then, you know, you're not going to do any more work until you collect on that. So that's a way to be a lot less at risk than if you're just doing the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars a month worth of work and just hoping that they pay you in arrears. So to summarize those preventative things, do a good bit of vetting of your clients up front. Don't go with like fly-by-night operations. Uh, look for, if not full or half payment up front, at least a deposit so that they prove to you they will pay or uh, do a small engagement if they insist in paying in arrears to kind of do a trial run. Um, because generally speaking, if they put skin in the game, they're not looking to stiff you Uh, established companies aren't interested in doing that they're not interested in these types of pointless legal quagmires their their way of um dealing with cash flow problems isn't going to be to stiff vendors unless they're in deep deep trouble um so this honestly doesn't come up all that much but an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure when i said earlier that i had never had this problem i did i wouldn't call it a scare but um I was dealing with a company, I think I might have mentioned it earlier, that um, went for quite a bit of time without paying me. They did pay me, um, and I wasn't overly worried that they wouldn't, but boy, that three or four months of doing tens of thousands of dollars worth of work and not seeing a dime, it was a lesson to me. That's what taught me to start um, asking myself, you know, what would I do if they hadn't paid? That would have been, that would have been pretty bad, so how do I uh, guard against this? And so I started developing these plays, you know, do small engagements, pay up front, you know, vet the company, ask other vendors, you know, um, who may have worked for them, see other people that they've dealt with and ask questions. So, yeah, um, that is kind of my detailed playbook of how to handle non-payment in the moment and then how to prevent it on a long timeline. So hopefully that's helpful and I will catch you all next time.